When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really privileged to have one of the top financial analysts in the United States of America, David Banson. Uh, David Banson, many of you know all about David Banson. His, um, he is the uh, managing partner and chief investment officer of the Banson Group. He's rated as one of the top 100 financial advisors in America. He is also the author of one of my favorite new books. I, I was telling David, I was talking to him last week, that this is just a book that um, – I have by my bedside, actually, and it's one of these books you can just pick up and read, uh, you know, a few pages of and learn so much about uh, what's going on with our economy. And and the the name of the book, I love this title, is There's No Free Lunch. Of course, that was the famous Milton Friedman quote and the um, title of David Danson's great new book, There's No Free Lunch. David, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me, Steve, and thank you for the kind introduction. So I've got a lot I need to talk to you about today, um, and I'm going to start right out uh, because you are, I think, one of the very top financial minds in this country. By the way, do you live in California? I go back and forth every month between California and New York because apparently I have no regard for my own tax efficiency. <laughs> okay, where do you live in California? In Newport Beach, which is admittedly one of the most beautiful cities in the country, even though our state tax rate is 13.3%. There you go. Well, that is one of my favorite places in America, but I don't pay taxes there. Uh, But I want – look, I'm going to start with a premise and either talk me off the ledge or tell me that I'm right. I am very worried about a global financial crisis. Um, As I look around the world, not just in the United States, but in Europe and Japan and other countries, there is this – It's almost like modern monetary theory, this crazy idea that governments can just spend and spend and borrow um, has taken hold. And I'm not seeing countries pull back from the enormous expansion of government that happened during COVID. I am heart sick about what's happening in the UK right now, where they're um, burning any idea of tax cuts, but they're continuing to increase government spending. And David, in my mind, this can't continue. And if it does continue, it cannot have a happy ending. Yeah, it's tough to know how to answer when I agree with you entirely (laughs) about the problem. And yet I want to be able to try to offer some realistic optimism because I am an optimist. Yeah, I know you are. That's why I asked you the question. So walk me down from the ledge. Um, The things you diagnose have not just started. Excessive indebtedness is not new. It didn't begin at COVID. Temporary government programs that become permanent is something Milton Friedman taught us decades ago. The New Deal, the Great Society, and yes, the COVID expansion. You know, these are all different parts of the last 100 years of the progressive um, experiment. Mm -hmm. And yet... The engines of free markets are so strong. God's blessings upon our country are so real that somehow we have still had pretty remarkable economic growth and prosperity throughout this big expansion of government. So the bad news is it could be so much better. 
the good news is that we can fix what's wrong by what we know is right in the American system, supply-side uh, policy reforms, uh, resurgence right. of growth, and, and a diminishment to the role of government. These principles can still work. Now, we say right now, well, the Democrats control the House. We can't do it. Or there's a Democrat right. in the White House. We can't do it. Look, we've had bad periods with Republicans. We've had some good periods with Democrats. Right. It isn't partisan. Yeah. We just need better yeah. policy, Steve. Right. Yeah, by the way, the you know, the one of the most prosperous times in American history was when Bill Clinton was president. We had a huge stock market rally. We had divided government. By the way, one of the things I wonder if you think about this, David, I mean, I've looked just I'm not the financial analyst that you are, but I've looked over the last and I've just noticed that the the stock market actually tends to do better when you have divided power in Washington, something we do not have today, but we might have after November. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, the history is actually quite clear. By the way, there's even a difference between a Democrat in the White House, the Republicans having the House, and the Democrats having the Senate, which is one form of divided government, uh -huh, versus right. divided where Republicans have both chambers of Congress and the Democrats have uh, the White House. Having yep. both chambers of Congress is ideal because even though we can't really get anything passed into law that we like to do without a president who will sign into law – the Senate controls the committees, and there's so much regulatory power, particularly in energy policy, financial services. Right. So I like divided government. You're exactly right empirically. It's Reagan and Tip O'Neill and Clinton and Gingrich, and people hate me saying right. it, but I'm sorry to call strikes, Obama and Boehner. You know, the stock market right. didn't have a single down year during the Obama administration. Now, part of it is because he got to take over at the at the trough yeah. of the financial crisis. But my point is divided government yeah. is good. Yeah. So uh, going back to my premise about uh, – let me put it like this. Where are things going right? I mean, I don't see them going right in America. I don't see them going right in, in England. I don't see them going right in Germany. Uh, in other words, where can we point to where – where those kind of pro-growth, pro-free enterprise ideas that you talk about in your book, No Free Lunch, uh, I, I don't – maybe I'm missing something, but where is there, where are there glimmers of hope? Okay, well, let's first start with what the word you just used, ideas. The ideas of free enterprise are still being heavily promoted in the common sense of American society, out on the street, in Main Street. Right. We're voters right. in their communities, their families. I teach free right. market economics to Christian high school students, and they eat it up. <laughs> the problem is where are things going wrong? They're going wrong in the faculty lounge at Harvard, the conference rooms at the Fed, and in the chief of staff of the White House. That's where they're going wrong. Well, that's a lot of power. But we have hundreds of millions of people on our side. That's where it's going right. But, you know, it's funny. The, thing, the Biden administration has fumbled with energy more than almost any other part of their policy portfolio. And you know we're still going to export more LNG this year than we ever have because they can't even stop this train of obvious common sense that the world needs our LNG. It should be 10 times more than it is. And if Trump were still in office, it would be 10 times more. We would have a more friendly regulatory environment. But despite everything they're doing to ruin energy independence in America, you know, the exports have gone up. That's one good sign I have to point to.
Yeah, we think, by the way, that that uh, we, in fact, that the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, we just put out a study estimating we'd be producing about three million more barrels a day of oil if it weren't for the Biden policies. But you're right, we're still producing a lot of oil. It's just we could be producing more. And and incidentally, uh, David, I don't think we'd have to really worry so much about what OPEC does if we were just promoting our own energy here at home. There wouldn't even have to be an OPEC because we'd right. be the marginal producer. That's right. We'd be the marginal producer. We'd take away the power from gangsters. That's exactly right, Steve. So uh, what, I, I'm, I'm heartbroken about what's happening in Britain, uh, where uh, you know the the finance minister was a supply sider. He wanted to do a lot of the right things. He got thrown out. Uh, the bond market really rebelled. What we call sometimes the bond vigilantes rebelled against. Uh, Elizabeth Truss's attempt to do a lot of the right things, and now she seems to be reversing course. Uh, what do you see? What, how do you explain how the market responded to what happened in Britain? Well, you know, you're smart and you're going to understand this. And I want to apologize for people who haven't heard some of these vocabulary before, because I'm not trying to make it more complicated than it is. But I don't believe the bond market rebelled against supply side policy. I think that the bond market rebelled against the leverage and margin and the derivatives that some of their pension funds had taken. Mm -hmm. And it coincided mm -hmm. with her announcing supply side reforms, which gave the media the in to create a BS narrative. Okay. And right. and so I think you're exactly right that it's tragic that she's having to capitulate. Uh, she was thinking the right way about solving for inflation by producing more goods and services. You produce more goods and services by creating incentives to do so. That's the heart of supply side economics that people like yourself and Cudlow and Laffer and Forbes have been promoting for years. Um, I don't know where it will go in the short term politically, but it sure seems to me that the UK is victims of the same thing we are here, which is the media right. trying to spin and control a left wing narrative. So uh, I do think it's uh, almost a certainly the Republicans are going to take the House, and, and uh, I, I think it's looking better every day that they will also take the Senate, but you never know with, with elections. But um, we, So we will have at least some divided power in Washington after November, whether it's as much divided power as we'd like to see, what we don't know yet. But if you were advising, and I know sometimes you talk to these Republican leaders, um, what should Republicans do? Um, to to deal with the inflation crisis. And I'm going to kind of posit something, and then I, I'd like your reaction to it. And I've been saying for the last number of weeks that more important than the interest rates is to try to get control of this out of funding. You could get a, a, you know, a believable, credible package of reductions in the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars we've spent that that might even have a more positive effect of bringing down inflation than the rate increases by the Fed. Well, that, it's exactly right. And uh, the hard lesson I'd give my Republican friends is they can't only decide they're against big spending when a, when a Democrat is in the White House. you got to be against big spending all the time because big spending is always in forever. The growth of government, which creates more incentive for the Fed to be interventionist, for uh, fiscal interventions, Keynesian thinking. We have to control the size of government. 
And ultimately, the size of the deficit is less consequential than the overall size of government because of crowding out the private sector where good capital allocation, where good resource optimization can take place. We want to put our capital, our ideas, our manpower to work in the most productive parts of the economy, and that is not at the DMV. Okay, and so this is the main issue I want Republicans to understand. So they got to control spending, and then we have got to quit talking as if we want to deify the Federal Reserve. First, we said the Fed needed to bail us out with a zero interest rate policy, with quantitative easing, with an alphabet soup of different you know, concoctions to buy these kinds of bonds and those kind of bonds. But now we're doing it again, saying, oh, the Fed has to go solve for inflation. Health insurance premiums were up 21 percent year over year. What in the world does that have to do with the How Fed? How can that money? happen, David? I thought we passed the Affordable Care Act. I thought that was going to make health insurance more, more affordable. And, and that's exactly right. That's what our narrative should be, is pointing out yeah. that the left has lied to us before. Didn't work. But this idea that Jay Powell is going to solve inflation is not true. This is uh, David Danson, who is one of the top financial advisors in the United States. And it's, uh, David, on the way out, we've got about uh, 60 seconds left. Um, you, you talked about what Republicans should do, and I'm in almost complete full agreement with you. The question on the way out is, do you think they will do it? Um, I think that it's, they're going to play it safe for the next two years. They w- certainly will, will not allow Biden to pass anything. That's good. They're going to play defense, and that's part right. of the, the system of government we have, separation of powers. But you know what? We need a supply-sider, limited government constitutionalist in the White House, and that's where Amen. you can start doing things more proactively. Amen. Uh, That's David Banson. David, thanks so much for joining us. Can you come on sometime in the next few weeks and continue this discussion? Because it's been very educational for me and our listeners. You bet, Steve. Anytime. Thanks so much. Thank you, David. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group. Dot com.